on my list of songs to be played at my funeral if I actually die and don't just float into heaven. <laughs> That's my first goal. So, You know, um, a while back I was, I was humming a song, and many of you might know it. I know Pastor Darrell doesn't because he hates country music, but it was My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys by Willie Nelson. Anybody heard that song? I was just humming that song for some reason. Songs pop into your head. And, and then the Lord changed it, and I heard the Lord say, My Heroes Have Always Been Broken. And so that's the name of, that's the name of my, my thing today, sermon, title, whatever. My heroes have always been broken. Not my earthly heroes. These are about my biblical heroes. And so as I began to think about that, I realized, in fact, that the biblical characters that I looked up to in the Bible were men with issues and character problems. I don't know about you, but I always looked at the people in the Bible as bigger than life. They were not average or normal like you and me, but they were just like you and me. They weren't figments of our imagination, and they weren't supernatural beings. They were ordinary people with ordinary problems who had encounters with the Lord that allowed them to do great and miraculous things, just like us. So that's what I'm going to talk about for a bit. Some of my heroes... They're negatives and they're positives, and I hope to show you how that you're just the same. You're, you're someone who has greatness as a calling, but you're going to have to overcome your brokenness and other things so you can u- be used to change the world. Then my goal is to pray for you at the end of the service. Anyone who wants prayer at the end of the service, we're going to pray for you to be able to overcome whatever you may be dealing with. This doesn't mean everyone's broken and everybody's in a bad place. That's not what this is about. Some people are, some people aren't, but we all got stuff at times. Because I, I say it a lot, but I believe it, that each one of you can be used to change the world. By the way, if you don't know that our church's motto is broken people, getting healed, loving God, finding purpose. So let's start with Moses. Anybody like Moses? Here's a positive he was called to, to free the Israelites. That's what God called him to do, was free the Israelites and lead them to the promised land. That was his goal when he was born. Well, let's talk about his negatives first, because one thing I've learned in leadership from Pastor Darrell is start with a positive, hit them with what's wrong, and leave them with something good at the end. So if I'm ever talking to you in my office, there's a strategy. I'm not always good at it, but uh, anyway. So we're going to talk about the negatives And here's the other thing. I don't have time to go into everything about these guys. So many of you will know the stories. You'll have things clicking in your head on your own. But one of the negatives is, you know, when God called Moses, he he griped about not being up to the task. 
I'm slow of tongue. I can't speak. In fact, he, he kept telling God he couldn't do it so much that later in the chapter, later in the story, and, and I, I looked this up again, God got so mad at him that he was going to kill him. God was going to kill Moses. He was so angry and tired of him that he was going to kill him. I won't tell you what changed his mind. You'll have to go read that because I do have standards. Anyway, secondly, Moses whines more. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but, but I just want you to know, when I was reading through this, he whined a lot. My interpretation, he complained a lot about what God wanted him to do. And I suspect through our lives, I know I have, many times we complain when the Lord is telling us to do something. I'm not good enough to do that. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And so Moses did a lot of that. So God told Moses to up front, up front that I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and he's not going to agree with you. He's not going to do what I want him to do. So Moses knew up front, you're going into a situation where you're going to be rejected. But God sent him. God says, I'm going to work you through it. But God said, I will force him. So God told Moses how it would happen, but he wouldn't listen. Third, let's talk about this. Murder, Moses, everybody knows, he murdered someone, and then he fled, right? So he's a murderer. He was trying to do the right thing in his mind, right? He was trying to break up a fight, but he ended up killing somebody. So by law, he's a murderer. So let's talk about some of the good things for a second that Moses did. If you remember the story, Moses was supposed to die at birth, but he didn't, right? Pharaoh had, had told him to go kill all the firstborn sons of Israel. And Moses didn't get killed. His mom or whoever, they put him in the water. And he floated him upstream. This is what I think is cool. Not only was Moses rescued, he was rescued and raised by royalty. That's how God works. I'm not just going to put you over in the, the barrio somewhere. I'm going to raise you in royalty. Pharaoh had eyes to kill you, but he didn't. The Lord had other plans. Lord, God's plans are always more powerful than the enemy's plans. Second, Moses was a defender of the weak. I don't know if you remember the story, but these, these sisters were out watering their flock, and somebody came up and was, for lack of a better term, accosting them or give, harassing them. And Moses defended him. He stepped up even though he didn't know any of them. He stepped into the situation, and he's a, he's a defender of, of those who can't defend themselves. I look at that as a positive. Third, in Acts 7.21, this is obviously the New Testament after, after Moses is dead, you know. But in Acts 7.1, Stephen says that Moses was a man powerful in speech and action. This is the same man who stumbled his way through the early parts of his life not wanting to do what God wanted him to do. Wine, complain, wine, complain, wine, complain. And now here we are, his legacy is that he is a man, powerful in speech and action. He went from a whiner, unsure about himself, to someone powerful. Fourth, what else? After a time in the desert, and just so you know, and you all probably already know this, we all spend time in the desert, don't we? At times, we always spend a little time in the desert. But after a time in the desert, that's when God sent him back to the scene of the crime. This is the scene where Moses murdered someone. And God says, not only am I going to use you, I'm sending you to the very neighborhood where you committed the crime to do what I want you to do. To me, there's a difference there. He could have sent him to another country. No, I'm sending you back to where you came from. 
to lead and to do something special. You're going to rescue my people. So do you think that God knew that he was sending a murderer to do his work? So God didn't care that he was using a murderer for his benefit. I think that speaks a lot about the Lord. It doesn't matter what you've done. God's got a plan to use you. He'll send you wherever he wants if you'll listen. Fifth, after whining about everything and God coming through time and again, Moses finally believed God and became bold and confident later in his life. That's when he became powerful in speech and action. When we take our eyes off our own insurities, our own insecurities, our own problems, and believe the Lord, that's when we become powerful. So later, I think some of you may need ministry for insecurity. Maybe you're unsure of yourself and your place on this earth, or maybe your place in the church. Maybe you don't think God can use someone like you. Maybe you've murdered someone, and you, you need to pray for that. Maybe... You have a desire to be bold and confident. Maybe you need faith. You can get prayer for that. Next, we're going to go to one of my heroes is David. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on David because everybody knows all the stories of David. We're familiar with him. But, you know, David was born to be a king. If you remember, God, God knows what he's doing. God created David to be a king. Now, his family didn't know it, and he didn't know it. But he had a calling on his life from birth. Now, we know David was an adulterer. His lust for Bathsheba led him not only to mess over one of his best soldiers and friend, Uriah, but then he schemed and manipulated to have him killed. He tried to manipulate the situation to hide it, but it didn't work. David was a, he was luster. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a manipulator. He was a schemer. But what are the positives of David. God sent, one of them is God sent David to serve in King, in King Saul's court. He was being tormented by dreams, the king was. And somebody remembered David, and David went in, and he could play the harp, and it, it brought peace. Well, we know it was the Lord through David's playing that brought peace to this king. David was a worshiper, and the Lord used him in a powerful way. He was also a brave warrior, and he had good judgment, according to 1 Samuel 16. Third, David began as a young boy who tended sheep. That's all. Nothing special. He wasn't born with a crown on his head. He wasn't born into greatness. He was just a boy living in the country, tending sheep, probably getting beat up by his brothers. See, it, it doesn't matter who you think you are. Maybe you think you're just a shepherd boy. What matters is who God thinks you are. And are you going to believe like David did? That's what matters. And then, of course, we all know that David, really, when he went to, to see his brothers in war, he was just taking sandwiches. He was bringing lunch, food to his brothers, and he ended up killing Goliath, who was controlling the whole army. The whole army was controlled by this giant and this little boy who was running an errand for his father to bring all some burritos to his his brothers. Next thing you know, he's saving the world. Where are you going today for lunch? Maybe God's going to use you to change the world today at lunch. Maybe tomorrow morning when you go to work. Maybe you're the hero. 
I don't think he left home that day going, I'm going to score some points today. They think it's about sandwiches, but I'm scoring points. I'm going to kill a giant. He stepped up when God called him to step up. That's all he did. Finally, at Acts 13, David is described as a man after God's own heart. It's hard to believe that that could be true for, for the judgmental. Because you've heard it. You've heard people say, I mean, he was really a screw-up. I don't know how he could be a man after God's own heart. You know, he has committed a lot of sin. Well, I think it's the Lord that says that. You know, David was messed up at times, but he really, like a lot of you, he really loved the Lord. And God used him mightily despite his problems. And here's the thing. It wasn't born, problem, now I'm amazing. It was all intertwined. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, great problem, great problem. That's how our lives are. It's not a season of I was born and things are good, then it's going to be a season of I suck, and then it's going to be a season of everything's great again. No, we have these battles every day. You know that because you live them. You have these battles every day. You know, when we, when we minister after a while, maybe you need prayer for lust or adultery or murder. Maybe you're manipulative. You need prayer for that. Maybe you want to be a worshiper, and, and you need prayer for that. Maybe you need more faith. Maybe you just need a, a willingness to serve. Maybe you need a little boost just to help you step out that first time. Let's talk for a minute about Samson. This is another guy who was really called to do something special. I'm, again, I'm not sure he or his father knew it, but I believe that his mother did. That's why she made that vow to the Lord when she became pregnant to raising the way that she did. You know, the negatives of Samson are, this is, some of this is interpretation. You don't have to believe it. Um, I believe he was probably spoiled and a little full of lust. He noticed a girl from the enemy and he wanted her, so he asked his parents to go get her. You know, I asked my parents for a lot of things. <laughs> Not that, but they never did, you know? I think he was a little spoiled. I want this. Go get this for me. Oh, okay. So I think that's what happened there. You know, but God was moving in this. Even though, in my opinion, it wasn't necessarily probably a great thing, God was moving, and this was supposed to happen. I just don't think the family knew it at the time. Two, maybe he had an anger problem. At the end of the wedding feast, if you remember the story, at the end of the wedding feast, he didn't like some of the things that had been going on for several days. Thank God we don't have seven-day weddings anymore. Sorry, another interjection. But he just didn't like some of the things that had been going on. And he ended up killing 30 of his wife's family and friends. But then it says the Spirit of the Lord came on him to do it. You see, in Samson's life, he really didn't do a lot of things wrong, but he was treated wrongly by a lot of other people. He was pushed around by others at times, sometimes physically, sometimes mentally. Third, if you remember the story, he got mad, and he used foxes, tied their tails together, set them on fire, and they burned down the whole countryside. He got back at them. Fourth, he kind of fell for a bad girl. Anybody remember Delilah? He fell for Delilah, and she set him up. But his nature put him in a bad situation. She ended up tricking him 
and he lost his strength when she cut off his hair. She harassed him and harassed him and harassed him, and he finally gave up his secret, and it cost him. Because when she cut off his hair, the Lord, it says at that moment, the Lord departed Samson, and he had no strength. They also gouged out his eyes, so now he's blind, physically and spiritually, by the way, in my opinion. But let's be clear. I don't believe God gave up on Samson when it says the Lord departed. What happened is Samson stepped out from under the umbrella, and the enemy got him. God was with him. I believe the Lord knew him, still had plans for him. God still loved him. God was still a part of him, even though he had departed. I do believe God was still there. He just stepped out from underneath, and he got it cost him. So let's talk about some positives of Samson. One, Samson was created to rescue, the Philistine, to rescue Israel from the Philistines. They had been slaves for 40 years, but his mom, now his mom had been barren. She couldn't have kids. And then she got pregnant, and he became their rescuer. The word says that Samson was blessed from the time he was a child, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Second, I count this as a positive. With all that had been done to Samson, now they bring 3,000 men to come arrest him or kill him. He grabs the jawbone of a donkey, and he starts whacking. And he kills. Can you imagine? You can't even imagine. He kills 1,000 people, 1,000 soldiers. Can you imagine that? Just with a piece of bone. And so... The Lord was, had to be with him. I mean, this is, this is reality. But the Spirit of the Lord was on him. Not only did he kill a thousand, he avoided being killed by the other two thousand. I don't know how that works. You know, you get in a little dog pile. You know, this is probably about 400 yards high, and you're, everybody's trying to punch him, and he's on the bottom. But anyway, he survived it. What that means is when God's with you, nothing can stop you, even when the odds are overwhelming. Three, in Samson's final act on earth, through all this stuff that he'd gone through, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard his voice. If you remember the story, they brought him into the arena. They were going to use him as a, a game. And he put his arms against the pillars, his, and he, tra- he called out to the Lord, and his strength returned. And he shoved the pillars, and the the arena collapsed, and it killed thousands of people. In his final moments, when he cried out to the Lord, he was with the Lord, and the Lord was with him. So maybe when we pray after a while, again, here's lust, here's anger. Maybe you've been treated wrongly, and you need prayer to help you overcome that. Maybe you need to overcome some childhood and adult traumas and tragedies. Maybe you just need to learn to trust the Lord better. Faith, strength, we can pray for those things. The next one is Paul. Paul went through three phases in his life. He was religious, but mean. He had a conversion, and then he was sent out to do God's work. And in Paul's life, if you've read the New Testament, it didn't go perfectly for him either. He had a lot of ups and downs. 
Let's talk about his negatives. If you remember the story of Stephen, he was standing there when Stephen was killed, probably in a place of honor because the people doing the, the beating were laying their coats at his feet. He was not only there, he was probably in charge. Paul was on board with what was happening. Second, he was really smart. Paul, I mean, he was a Pharisee, so he had to be smart. But he was extremely religious. You know, these Pharisees, they, they were spiritual people, but they thought they were better than everyone else. And what I've always thought was weird about the Pharisees is, you know, they knew the Bible better than anybody, but they didn't recognize Jesus standing in front of them. The Savior of the world was right in front of them, and they didn't know it. So Paul, who was one of the greatest men to ever be on the earth, he began on the opposite side of the fence. He wasn't born into greatness. So what are the positives of Paul? There's a bunch. You know, my notes got twisted. One is he had an encounter with the Lord. I mean, it was the hard way, if you remember the story. Nobody wants to be riding along on your merry way, and next thing you know, you, get, you fall off your donkey or your horse, and you're laying on the ground, and you get up, and you're blind. That would maybe make you angry, or maybe that would set you on your new course. But he heard the Lord speak to him in that moment of weakness. See, Paul wasn't in charge anymore. When he got knocked off the donkey... And he got blinded. All of a sudden, it, Pharisees, the title by your name doesn't mean anything. You're hopeless and helpless. You got no control. You can't see. You can't move. You don't know what's going on. So all of a sudden, this big, big dude was nobody. So the impact of what happened on that road on him was enormous. And he knew somehow, I'm guessing probably deep in his spirit somewhere, he knew somehow that what happened was real and it must be the Lord. And he chose to change and to follow the Lord a different way. I can't even imagine how hard it must have been. Well, maybe it wasn't once you get blinded and fall off your horse. Maybe it's not that hard. But you're taking a guy who thinks he's king of the world as a Pharisee's. And, and he was punishing these people. Now he's going to become one of these people. Are these people going to hate me? Are the people I used to be with going to hate me? Am I going to fit anywhere? He followed the Lord. You know, and despite the many injuries and injustices he suffered during his ministry, Paul never lost his faith. Shipwrecks, snake bites, being beat, being tortured, being thrown in jail. I guarantee you, none of us sitting in this room have been through what Paul's been through. But he never quit believing or trusting the Lord. And we're all going to go through these issues and these seasons. We always will. You know, but Paul's life is full of overwhelming evidence that by trusting the Lord and doing what he tells us to do, the world can be changed. It's not about us. It's about him. So maybe you want to be pray maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need patience to work through your phases so you can reach your calling. Trust, faith, 
as you journey. Maybe you need joy. I noticed it said joy on the screen during worship. Now let's go to the final one of my heroes that have always been broken. And you might guess that my final one is Jesus, the ultimate. Perfect on this earth, and today his life is still perfect theology. He didn't do anything wrong to be broken as a human. He was perfect human who was broken for us. Physically and mentally abused over and over and over. The, the, the videos, the movies, the pictures, they don't do justice to the real pain. To the things. Torture that beyond what any of us could ever imagine. My ultimate hero was broken. Until he wasn't. He didn't stay broken. As you know, maybe you don't. Jesus rose up from the ground and is now with the Father to speak on our behalf. He left behind the Holy Spirit to help us and to work with us. See, it doesn't matter where you are today. You can still become who you were created to be despite any brokenness. Maybe you're not broken. Maybe you're just hard-headed. Or maybe you just haven't found the faith or strength to trust the Lord. It's not just salvation, but to trust the Lord to lead you. There's a lot of people who have trusted the Lord with their salvation, which I've always found funny. How is it that I can trust my eternity to someone I've never met, but I won't trust him to get me through the day? I just never understood how. You know, some may die like Samson, never really having a, never really having a lot of problems in life, but kind of getting cheated and then calling out to the Lord one, one more time. Some may be like David, murderer, adulterer, liar, pretty selfish and rotten at times, but a person who truly loves the Lord more than most, other, more than most others and truly desires to be with him. Some may be like Moses, whiner, in and out of trouble, struggling to overcome a lack of confidence and stability, just not thinking you're good enough. Some may be like Paul, pretty religious and smarter than everyone else. But the Lord is ready to bring some humility, which will completely turn your life around. Probably one of the few things any of us truly want, but one of the greatest things we could ever have is humility. So what stronghold do you need to be broken? What kind of healing do you need? Do you need to trust the Lord for the first time, accepting his salvation? Do you need prayer for faith or strength or one of the other things we've mentioned? I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up. If you need prayer, come up here. Trust the Lord. There's no negatives. There's no downside. Your life's not going to be perfect. I'll just let you know that right now. You will have problems throughout your life. But you will also have the Lord in your corner the entire way. And then you can become who you were created to become. So don't wait. You're free to go whenever you're done, but I encourage you. It doesn't mean you're broken to get prayer. 
just means you're willing to get better. So, we, Father, we just thank you for this people. Thank you for our heroes. Amen.